Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, wired people into that fans. I just am going to give it to you direct. I am so busy right now that I don't really have time to write out a whole charming script for these episodes um so i'm i'm just but i i still want to keep giving you the content and giving you the footage so i'm just going to give it to you raw thanks for bearing with your local indie pervert media maker i promise me being busy is a good thing and that good things are coming in 2018 so in the meantime, I'm totally pumped for you to hear this month's interview with my friend Melissa, who is an actual licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in polyamory and queer communities. But first, I want to remind you that it's February and you know that you can always count on the pleasure chest to expand your ideas about love. The Pleasure Chest stores in New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles are all hosting Palentine's Day sexy self-care celebrations on Sunday, February 11th from 4 to 7 p.m. Their trained pleasure specialists will help you stock up for self-care at their wet bar, where you can use essential oils and dried petals to create your own signature bath salts. Oh my god. Plus, you can customize a candle for when you really need to banish some negative energy. And at 5 p.m., you can enjoy a mini Ultimate O workshop on expanding your own orgasm. All year round, the Pleasure Chest offers the best selection of highest quality couples toys and pleasure products for all occasions. Free online shipping with guaranteed Valentine's Day delivery if you order by February 11th. Visit PleasureChest.com to find out more. And now, here's Why Are People Into Polyamory. Cool. Hi, Melissa. How are you? I'm great. It's so great to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad that we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Melissa Desiro is a licensed marriage and family therapist and also a sex therapist. I think you are my first actual sex therapist that I've had on the show. Oh, wow. That's exciting. And I am especially excited because not only are you a sex therapist, but you also specifically specialize in queer, kinky, and poly therapy. So queer, kinky, poly patients, queer, kinky, poly issues. So that that makes you a pretty good fit for this show. And I can't wait to pick your brain. Cool. Do you want to talk a little bit about your career and what it's like and sort of, or maybe even what your approach is to those subjects or you know, is it is it common for people to specialize in those things or what's that experience like for you? Sort of. I mean, I yeah, sure. I'll talk about it. Um, I feel like the most common specialties are 
more in the realm of pathology. So Mm -hmm. someone might specialize in erectile dysfunction or uh, vaginal pain during intercourse, like problems. Mm -hmm. Whereas like specializing with like in queer kinky poly communities, it's much more of a like normative like you're just doing like positive, you know, identity integration work, mm. um, helping people kind of work out who they are, what they want. Um, and it's it's way more kind of positive and client centered, I would say, um, although you can do the other work that way. But, you know, it's less about like, come in and I'll fix your problem. Right. Yeah. Which is ironic because until quite recently and still in many parts of this country and the world being queer being kinky being poly is treated like a pathology right and people still will can go into therapy and be treated like they have a serious problem with any of those things especially kink or poly right right absolutely Mm -hmm. because this is your specialty we decided to actually do an episode about why are people into polyamory and i'm really excited about that because i had i've had an episode about swinging which is sort of a, a, a kind of polyamory mm-hmm. and polyamory comes up I would say probably in some way in almost every episode or some form of non-monogamy or just like general sluttiness you know I had an episode about why are people into sluts I'm excited to really dig into the subject of polyamory and why people are into that so first I would love it if you would define what what is your definition of polyamory so I, I think that the like umbrella term really is open relationships, mm-hmm. polyamory being like a way, like a manifestation of that. So swinging, I think, is often manifests as like couples who are pr- like primarily connected to one another who mm-hmm. are interested in casual sexual hookups. Right. So they may or may not have people who are like repeat folks in their life. Right. And it's it's kind of about like we're going to go home at like two in the morning or whenever we're done having the sex. Right. Whereas I think many polyamorous people are in addition to sex or a romantic connection, like open to like a, a, a meaningful connect, like a like a more than just a sexual exchange, but like an emotional exchange, a heart connection, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your commitment or, or defining of relationship. I actually read recently that DTR is an abbreviation or acronym that um, that young people are using now. I mean, probably people of all ages, but that it's become popularized among millennials, I guess, that at a certain point you need to DTR, define the relationship. Yeah, yeah, I think so. As, especially because I think if you are raised I mean we're all like raised in a you know monogamy normative culture but then if you are are just pursuing that path Mm -hmm. then you you might be less likely to think critically about what you want that to look like and and kind of fall into patterns that are kind of prescribed for you whereas certainly that happens with folks who are open or poly or swinging too but I think there's something about just you know breaking the box open that forces you to look at it at least a little bit for some folks who are monogamous like they're they're not necessarily even considering defining the relationship at all yeah that's true but they they are they just are not acknowledging it right it's implicit rather than explicit right or they're going they're using like a default setting and actually in relationships that causes all kinds of problems because Monogamy means different things to different people. It totally does. And couples get 
into trouble because one person in, in the relationship thinks like, of course I can use porn and right. the other person might say you're cheating on me. Right. And, um, and so those are two def different definitions of the parameters of monogamy. And, and uh, the, the most important thing is to either gauge compatibility about like, I think, porn is not cheating so i should be with somebody who also thinks that porn is not cheating or having a conversation where you are i, I just want to say like having a conversation about it you know um so you might you might come to some com kind of compromise but it's the assumptions where people get into trouble mm -hmm. yeah and so one of the things i do with monogamous couples is try to make that implicit explicit mm, cool yeah so would you would you define open relationship as sort of the umbrella term and then things like polyamory or swinging or being monogamish or um, any number of other subsects would sort of follow under open relationship? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. That makes a lot of sense to me. So why are people into that, Melissa? Well... I mean, I think there's a ton of reasons. Yeah. I, I sort of think the biggest reason, or maybe I think it's the biggest reason because it's kind of my reason, is, uh, I'm Polly. Oh, cool. Is that um, it's it's kind of like you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you get to have good things in one relationship and good things in another relationship and they're they're not necessarily or even in in like more casual things that you wouldn't even consider a relationship like you get to kind of design your sexual and romantic life for yourself so it's like a customization process mm -hmm. or a curation is oh yeah kind of a cool way to think about it yeah i love that yeah first and foremost what i'm hearing from you and i definitely agree that the appeal of an open relationship is being able to curate or customize all kinds of different parameters and also to feel safe, maybe safer, maybe more comfortable knowing that those conversations are on the table or able to be on the table. So if there's something that might not have come up yet, you don't have to fear the fallout from something that has not that has yet to come up because you know that when it comes up you are you have established or you are establishing communication modes to discuss those things with your partner mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think that that's in the ideal situation I think there are plenty of poly people who still are making implicit assumptions about sure. their relationship parameters or structure. And so one of the things that I do when people come in for therapy, especially like new people who are transitioning into poly, mm. is I help them contract for like what is okay. Like yeah. where are their boundaries? And, um, and it's impossible to predict any like every single possible scenario that might come up but it does lay the groundwork for like we are going to talk about lots of different aspects of our our relationship or relationships with other people so what are some of the things that you suggest that people put in their open relationship contract 
Well, I use, I actually use Tristan Taramino's it, What's in Opening Up, like, and, and on her website, there's actually downloadable forms. So awesome. anybody can get the contract and it asks kind of, it breaks out parameters according to like who is okay. And there mm. are questions about gender and the, the other folks' uh, sexual orientation, their mm. kink orientation, mm. various different, you know, age, all kinds of things like that. Yeah. What is okay? So, like, what behaviors or activities are going to be acceptable? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I like so much about that is there, there are, I mean, with the exception of kink, which, you know, can just explode in terms of options and possibilities. And there's an explicit thing on there that says if you're also kinky, you should you know, do like a yes, no, maybe checklist or, mm -hmm. of, you know. of like different activities, like spanking bondage, right. role, certain role plays probably. Yeah. yeah. More, more kind of like, uh, I think some of those activities are in, in her, mm. you know, questions. Um, but there's also like good questions about like, is love okay? Mm -hmm. Is, um, an emotional connection okay? Mm -hmm. And, it's not uncommon for couples to say like you can't fall in love with someone else. Yeah. And my like by I don't have a ton of biases. Like I tend sure. to be client centered and kind of go where they want to go, but it gives me an opportunity to say, you know, if you're fucking pe fucking people, you, you can say fucking on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you can. If you're fucking people, especially more than once, yeah. you can't really control whether or not you fall in love with them or that's, have an emotional connection with them. And so it's true. Kind of naive to say you're not allowed to do that. But I like that it's on there as a like, you know, just opens up the conversation for that. Yeah. I mean, there there are also, it's true that you can't control who you fall in love with, whether you're fucking them or not. But I do think that, I, I do think that it is that the opportunity to set that intention and even to just find out, to, to have that conversation with your partner and to know that your partner is you know, might be like, oh, yeah, no, I have actually, like, no intention of, like, I want you to be my primary, uh, you know, emotional connection, and I don't have an interest in that. Even if it does change, knowing that you're starting from that same place of not thinking that you are interested in it um, can be just, I don't know, I, I have a bias that everything is better when you talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And and I think I've also, I've had to go through a, um, a sort of a period of realizing that sometimes you should just stop processing and that there's a threshold that you, that you pass through um, where the processing actually stops being constructive. Absolutely. And I think it can really create patterns in the relationship where you're really emphasizing the negative mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so like I will mm. I will tell couples like don't process for more than an hour treat it like a therapy session yeah like you know look at the clock and just if you catch yourself and you're still talking at an hour and 10 minutes like just take a break yeah. come back to it later because usually after that amount of time you're not you're not saying anything new you're not actually being productive anymore you're just kind of in the loop of what we've been saying for now two hours three hours yeah um yeah and if you haven't if you're not feeling like you're being heard after an hour more talking is probably not going to increase the active listening 
Right. Yeah, definitely. If people are kind of locked in and feeling like defensive, which, by the way, I think defensiveness has a really bad rap. Like people will say to each other, like, don't be defensive or you're being defensive as if like people shouldn't be defensive. Interesting. And I think that like people get defensive when they're feeling attacked or criticized, right, is the nice way to say attack. But that does feel like an attack. And they're like, hey, you're not seeing me. And Mm. I really want to like, I want to defend myself. I want to protect myself from that. Like, so I think it's actually more information if someone gets defensive, like, oh, like my person I'm talking to is feeling attacked. Like maybe I can phrase that differently or maybe yeah. I can like listen to them and what that feels like for them. Like totally. Yeah. So it seems like there's probably two kinds of people in polyamorous relationships, people who are already practicing polyamorous or some variation when they met their partner and then people who decide to open up their relationship once they have established a relationship that perhaps was default monogamous for the first few years or the first few decades right so I think that those are two big groups but I also think that there are folks who may have um like a an inclination or an orientation that is polyamorous, you know, folks who are kind of like in a monogamous world and like repeat cheaters, right? Like they kind of can't stop that. Uh It might be something else going on, but it also just might be that they need, like they're really like the way they do their sexuality is to have variety. And because they only have this one model, they're stuck in this thing where they're, you know, lying to their partner and stuff. And so I, I, I think like another kind of person, I, I'm that I might say that that person is poly. They just don't have a um, expression for it. Interesting. Um, or their expression for it is kind of stuck in some way. Um, and then there are also people who are like just haven't really considered it as a possibility, but they might learn about it and start thinking about it and in a relationship and then maybe the next relationship they get into or when they're when they're on their own they have more freedom to kind of think more creatively and they're kind of like I want to be poly I've just never done it before yeah so I think there's a, a bunch of different things along those lines yeah so you brought up cheating so I just want to get something out of the way yeah what is the difference between this serial cheater that you just described and someone who is in a polyamorous relationship who has sex with a lot of people besides their partner? That's a great question because I feel like when I'm talking to folks who are newly exposed to this concept or maybe they've had some friends who have a, you know, one version of an open relationship, um, that's often like the first like place that they go to, like, we'll be talking about a polyamorous relationship and their response is sort of like, Hey, I remember the first time I was cheated on, or I remember when I cheated on my boyfriend or whatever, um, as if it's the same thing. Right. Right. So there is an assumption that it's the same thing because what's in common with the two things is your having more than one sexual or romantic connection in your life. Um, and so I think that there are there are kind of like pieces of the cheating that feel like betrayal, right? So there's yes. there's the piece of like uh, like you you broke our contract. Like we have mm. 
We have an agreement to be monogamous. We've promised to be monogamous, even if that's only an implicit promise. Right. It, we, that's what we're doing. Right. And so you, you, you kind of blew it. You like broke the promise. That's yeah. a betrayal. Another betrayal is like, you lied to me. Yeah. You know, like Thursday night when you said you were doing this other thing, you were actually doing this thing, or maybe it's been going on for years and there's been a lot of lies or even just one, like there's lying. Nobody likes that. Which is a huge betrayal. And then there's the piece that feels like a betrayal of when you learn that your partner's slept with someone else or even had like a deep emotional connection with someone else, even if there's no physical component to it, but there's like a sexual alchemy or mm. something mm -hmm. that like it kind of crashes the fantasy that you're like the only one right in their life. And so I think that the main difference between like cheating and poly is that in poly you can remove the lying aspect yeah. right like you and you also have the you know a, opportunity to have a different kind of contract so right. you write in like you know these are the things that we can do and so those two things make a huge difference right and i just want to put in a caveat that like certainly poly folks can uh still lie to their partners and cheat yeah and it, cheat like yeah. they can still if break a contract yeah if we define cheating as lying and betraying the agreement that you have poly people can are can definitely do that yeah sure like a, a like an agreement that um some people might have is like we are going to use barriers with anyone else and we're fluid bonded or you know but just barriers with it and then somebody can just not use the barriers without renegotiating that contract and right. that's a betrayal of the contract so that's like cheating there yeah definitely but i i do think that like if you're not doing that, right, the difference with Polly is that you're you're talking about things and you have the opportunity to, like, just not lie about it. Like, you can say, this is a thing I'm doing. Or a thing that I want to do. Yeah. What? So can we talk about what that would look like? Right. I have always said, ever since I first became aware of the possibility of ethical non-monogamy, I have always felt that first and foremost, the thing that is appealing to me is the expectation that those conversations are on the table, even more than the appeal of variety in the people that I am ethically permitted to have sex with. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. It just builds in communication it's like explicitly like we are talking about this thing even though some people don't talk right like right some like one manifestation of an open relationship or a poly relationship is a sort of don't ask don't tell policy right which is like you can go out and do what you want to do but I don't want to know about it you know I don't want to know where you're going or what you're doing or who you're with kind of keep it from me but you got to have that the don't ask don't tell conversation in order to have a don't ask don't tell relationship well you do in theory right but right. i know of people who will say things like we have a don't ask don't tell relationship uh she must know that i'm sleeping with other people because we haven't had sex in eight years when someone says something like that like we have a don't ask don't tell relationship because they're making an assumption that their partner must know that they're sleeping with other people right you know that is practicing non-consensual polyamory Mm. that is cheating really yeah 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 non-consensual 
polyamory is cheating, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, in the time that I have been practicing non-monogamy, something that I have definitely found to be true about it is that it is a lot of work. It's a lot of processing, a lot of conversations, um, sometimes a lot of really difficult emotional work. I know why it's worth it to me, but I'm, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, you know, why people feel that, that polyamory is worth the extra effort and also can we talk about the myth that probably or the misconception that some people probably still have that polyamory is do whatever you want day and is like all fun and games and actually is not harder than monogamy that myth i don't know if i've heard really yeah i mean i think a lot of people will say things like uh it it we tried opening up but like it didn't work you know Mm. because and and the like what they're saying is because it's, it was too hard. Right. Like I was uncomfortable. Right. And and I think people think that like if they're uncomfortable, then something's not working in their relationship. Like they should just have harmony all the time. Right. Which, you know, certainly even a mono- monogamous relationship doesn't have harmony. And you're not going to grow as a couple if you can't like move into that discomfort and push yourself to process that. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about why, why people are willing to do all the work, but also I have a friend and I refer to this the same way myself now who talks about that work, the extra processing mm. and the extra like emotional labor as the polytax, right? So like <laughs> <laughs> you get all the goodies, you get to like fuck all the people, but you, you got to pay this tax, which is that because there's more people and more feelings, you have to do that much. You have to do that work too. You can't just be like, I only do this work over here in my primary relationship. And many people don't, don't have a primary relationship, but like, right. you know, it's, it comes with the goodies is the tax. That makes total sense. Yeah. So why is it worth the tax? Yeah, I think I think the first answer is it's not worth the tax for everybody. Like right. poly is really just not for everybody. There was a study, and I wish I could remember like to cite it properly, but I don't remember. They pulled a whole big sample of folks and asked the question, if there were no social constraints around monogamous expectations, mm-hmm. uh, would you still be monogamous? And about half of the people said yes, and mm. about half of the people said no, which I think is a great finding because mm. there's a big argument about whether or not monogamy is like, quote unquote, natural. Right. Are we are we monogamous creatures? Um, right. And there's a debate about that, like culturally and then also like in the scientific literature. And, and really, it turns out that like some people are just like m- more oriented toward poly and some people are more oriented toward monogamy. 
but also that it, it like so there's the 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 thing about like well if you have a more of an inclination or you're more oriented toward that mm. then you might be more motivated internally to do the work to have that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also you know you can be poly by choice right you, it doesn't have to be kind of like I'm born poly it's the only way I can be mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of thing you know you can make a choice to be that way because you want to do that you can do it for a period of time so for folks who consider it worth the work yeah why is it worth the work I think like some of the other some of the other reasons are because people feel like it's too much pressure on one other person to kind of fulfill Mm. all of your needs, right? Like we have this current idea about like modern love is that you're my best friend and you're my sexual partner and you're my confidant and you're my playmate. And, you know, I do everything with you and you are my like one and only. And, and that doesn't even work in a monogamous context. Like people really do have to get their needs met in a variety of places true and polyamory offers offers that in in terms of like romantic and sexual connections too right like you can make a case for the fact that it's a lot of pressure for one person to meet all your sexual needs because you know maybe they're just vast or maybe there's an incompatibility in a place of your sexual relationship or either either in drive or the kinds of sex that you like to have or even the fact that you like variety in your sex life not only in terms of people but in the kinds of things that you like to do totally right like some people are kinky and they're partnered with someone who's not right and that gives them an opportunity to go be kinky somewhere else or some people are queer and their partner is more like heterosexual and so that gives them an opportunity to date like the different genders and like you know do that or to queer people you you know like you could be a queer woman married to another queer woman and so you want to also be able to have to have sex with men or you know like yeah yeah absolutely so like all of that stuff can get met if if you include other people yeah and and even more nuanced than that like even more nuanced than like kinky versus not is like this person and I have a particular kind of connection. This other this other person and I have a different kind of connection and both of them fill different needs for me. And yeah. so I'm leading a, like a richer life. I'm like, I'm less, I'm putting less pressure on the other person to kind of be the things that they aren't because I can go get that other over here. Yeah. So that's a big reason I think that a lot of people want to be poly is because it's a, it's a lower pressure situation for... Well, and then, you know, I think that for folks who are just starting to think about polyamory, a lot of the time the emphasis is on the desire for others. And I think that something that is really important is putting the emphasis on the way that it can be good for the primary relationship if there is a primary relationship obviously some people are solo polyamorous or you know uh or like would hope one day to have a a primary partner but they don't currently some people have try to have several primaries yeah but just you know speaking from the place of uh you know a couple that decides to open up their relationship whether they're married or not it doesn't really matter that it actually can be something to take on that is good for the primary relationship and good for both of the people in the couple and that there can be when you are 
getting your either need for more sexual variety met somewhere else. You're getting your need to be a spanking top somewhere else that your primary partner is not interested in doing. You're getting your need for the fact that when you are traveling, you can have sex with other, when you're apart from your partner, when you have to be apart from your partner, you can still have sex because you're allowed to have sex with other people. You know, when you're getting those needs met elsewhere and not putting pressure on your on your partner not bre- not breeding resentment you know trying to meet your partner's needs but it's that that's like that compromise is not working for you like when you take away the those that resentment not take away but when you work on creating like an expansiveness that can help to work on those insecurities that those sense of inadequacy that pressure then that I have found and have seen in many relationships among people that I know that that can uh engender among the primary couple more compassion more um you know calmness and clarity um more appreciation for what they do what the relationship does offer and can offer instead of a focus on what it's lacking yeah totally and the other thing is like you were talking about the like work the polytax that work like helps us grow as individuals totally and as a couple or as a you know bunch of couples or whatever and helps you to be in better touch with what it is that you actually want and what your boundaries are yeah and so then you're growing Mm -hmm. in this in this particular way like like pushing yourself to so we haven't talked about jealousy but i feel like i haven't already answered like three questions that you've asked me so (laughs) we can we can get to jealousy but like Pushing yourself to um, really take responsibility for what's happening on your end. Mm-hmm. Really look at yourself and take it responsible. Like I think that I think that like we we can sometimes put our feelings like on the other person. Like you made me feel inadequate, or you made you hurt. You, you know, like you made me feel uh, angry, or you made me feel left out when those feelings are are your feelings right mm-hmm. like somebody doesn't yeah. make you feel inadequate like maybe that's coming up for you because of something that's happening with another person yeah but taking responsibility for that and saying like hey this is my stuff like this is work for me to do and yeah i need to communicate with you about what's happening and maybe there are some things that we could do together to to work on it but fundamentally like that feeling of inadequacy like is mine like yeah. I, that's that's in me yeah and I've got to do that work in order to show up here and then then ultimately that work is really good for the relationship well I love what you are saying about discomfort I am a big believer that outside your comfort zone is where life happens and being comfortable outside your comfort zone which I guess is a way of saying expanding your concept of your comfort zone on um, inviting discomfort yeah inviting discomfort um uh, you know sort of being prepared to adventure like when you you know like it's cool to feel comfortable in your house and to have the house that you want 
And if you're going to adventure outside of the house, you should probably have a backpack. Like, yeah, that, like has supplies in it. Right. <laughs> and so knowing what you need in your backpack, I feel like I'm really sound like a, um, a, a self-help coach now. But it's true, you know, and yeah. different people need different things in their backpack mm-hmm. and figuring out what that is. Um, yeah. And and I do think that discomfort and jealousy are um, feelings or emotions that we give similar weight to in our culture where we are encouraged to believe that discomfort and jealousy are feelings that should dictate our behavior or that that create reality instead of or dictate someone else's behavior right so you were talking about jealousy Mm. which i think is is definitely one of those it, it might be one of the only emotions that we like just feel complete like <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh room in our culture for jealousy to be just like completely unchecked right like yeah i guess that's take, what i'm trying to say we have yeah. to take responsibility for our own happiness we have mm. to take responsibility for our anger right like we can't just punch somebody in the face who we want to punch in the face that's right and everyone knows that right and um but jealousy i feel jealous and therefore like you're doing something wrong and you have to change your behavior is an assumption like in movie like people can just kill over jealousy and it's like okay like that's like yes go kill them you know um and so one of the differences i think with polly is that there are there's an assumption of jealousy like there's jealousy in monogamy too but in poly, there are tools to deal with it, right? Like yeah. we we talk about compersion, which is you know taking pleasure in someone else's pleasure. And right. So, so it's sort of the opposite of jealousy. Right. It's it's like uh, practicing like paying attention to what why they're happy and being happy for them that they're happy. Like yeah. Oh, you've got this new person. Like that's so tell me you know like tell me about it. Like that's exciting. Or don't or don't I don't necessarily want to hear every detail. Different people are different. Some oh, people yeah. some people are like I want to hear all the stories, and some people are like. Like, I don't, I would prefer actually that you like not Mm -hmm. tell me about it. But when you come home with a smile on your face because you've been on a date with your other person, I'm not going to feel upset that you're happy because that makes me feel excluded or that makes me feel inadequate or that makes me feel like I wish I was the person that always made you feel that way. Or I'm going to, I'm going to work on those feelings of upset and I'm going to actively try to find what is pleasurable for me about the fact that you're happy, right? Like it's a tool, right? Yeah. And, um, and just, you know, the idea of taking responsibility for your jealousy, I think is, Mm. is a little unique to polyamory. I mean, it shouldn't be, it should be just like pervasive, but, um, you know, like you have a lot of opportunities for it to happen, um, when there are a lot more people in the mix. Um, and, you know, working on that stuff gives you so much material to work on in yourself regarding, like, what's coming up for you? Like, why do I feel left out? Why do I feel inadequate? Like, why do I think, oh, you're dating a new person? Like, surely you're you're going to like them better than me. Like, what's that about for me? That actually has nothing to do with that other relationship right it's that thing that's happening over there in that other relationship is triggering my own insecurity what would you say to me and just for the record this is not true but what would you say to me if I told you that I 
was in a committed monogamous relationship. And I really liked having sex with a bunch of different people all the time that aren't my partner. And I don't want to tell my partner that I do those things because A, I don't feel like having that conversation. B, I think that if I asked for her permission that she wouldn't give it to me. So I don't want to even ask. C, I know that the thrill of the verboten, the thrill of doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing, the thrill of being bad is crucial to my enjoyment of fucking around. So I want to keep doing that. That's the thing that I'm doing. Nobody ever finds out about it. So nobody is hurt. Why can't I just keep doing that? What would I say? Um, I think, I think like really if that was the first time you were saying that to me, if we were working together, I probably would try really hard to like not shut down the conversation between me and that person by being like, you should absolutely talk about that with your partner right now. Like I would, I would be curious about it. I would ask a lot of questions like, you know, what's that like for you? What does that mean for you? Um, Like, where does it take you to go do those things? Like, what are you getting out of that? Like, what, you know, how does it, what's the function of it and that kind of thing? And also explore, like, what does it mean to keep the secret? And what does it mean to be bad? You know, like, how does, you know, like, those kinds of questions. And, like, I, um, I feel like if, if I am putting a lot of my own judgment, like, I might think, you know, what, why don't you just have a conversation about opening up? Like that actually would be more ethical. But to say that in the room might shut down the conversation with me and the person. And so me kind of just moving toward them and being curious and wanting to know more helps them know more about everything. And, and really like, I can't, I see my job as kind of helping people figure out where they want to go and then helping them get there. Right. So even if their end goal wouldn't be my end goal, Mm. I mean, like of course there are some limits to that right sure I'm not gonna let somebody go do you know cruel non-consensual things like with my like blessing right but for them to kind of figure out that path for themselves is is more my role than pushing my like ethics agenda although I mean there's there's a lot of exceptions to that too so but but to answer your question most likely I would say I would just ask you questions about it I think that the attachment to being bad is hard for people to extricate from the idea of sleeping with someone that is not the person that they've committed to. Yeah. So what if I said to you, oh, I've tried the polyamory thing. You know, I tried sort of like, you know, talking about it and having a contract and having an understanding then the extramarital sex that I was having um, wasn't as hot for me right, as when I was sneaking its... around. Sure. Yeah. And I want to go back to when that was, that's the hottest sex that I have is the sex that I have that is betraying my partner or that is behind my partner's back or that is a R- secret. Wrong or taboo. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's kind of human to find the like, incorrect or the taboo or the wrong like super hot that Um, that is true 
so I might I might normalize that mm. you know I might be like I get that like that makes and like validate that yeah I might also ask questions about like how do they think it's affecting their monogamous relationship like what what do like not only do like what function does it serve in their life but like what does it how what how does it affect their relationship and they might start by saying like I don't think it affects it at all like they have no idea mm. which of course it does of course, of course it fucking of, does of course it affects how they're inter- interacting with their with another with their partner and so like maybe I would revisit that question over time like after more mm. you know because I kind of feel like therapy is sort of this circular process where you mm. like you just kind of there's there are themes and you kind of hit them and then you hit other things and then you go back to that like it just comes up again but they're in a different place in terms of their growth and so over time you cover that theme and you can ask the same question you know over the course of nine months in therapy you can ask the same question like six times yeah and get really six very different answers so people are kind of like landing on it in a different place I mean for me a big part of this question and maybe this comes from the fact that a lot of the times that I have had conversations with people who have that perspective they have been my sex work clients Mm -hmm. where you know we have conversations about the fact that they are married and it is not something that they explicitly they don't explicitly tell their wives that they are seeing a dominatrix and if they're if their wives knew they would probably feel that that was cheating or feel betrayed. And so over the years I have tried to broach the subject with my clients. Like you'd know that you could potentially like talk about this with your partner and then continue to have fun with me or whoever and, and not have to like sneak around. And usually what they say is you don't know my wife. She, she would never go for it. You know, this is the story that I've been telling myself for decades. Sometimes like she would never be into it. And what I, what I always say to them is you as, as a man, and you know, this is obviously not always the dynamic, but I would say that this is probably the most, the more common dynamic. As a man, you have been socialized to think that you are entitled to get what you want, especially sexually, and you have access and opportunity to pay for it or to make money disappear in ways that often your female spouse does not. If you were able to have that conversation with your wife where you said this is what I want to do and you also should be allowed to either pay for sex or date other people or have one night stands or whatever then she would also be able to have the outlet that you do to have her own hobby in the way that you do and you have the power to give her permission for that because you've given yourself permission So I don't know. I mean, I guess that is just a summary of the fact that like what I would say to the person who uh, who feels that the thrill is in doing something bad, you're doing something bad at the expense of somebody that you love and you are also in not talking to them about it, denying them. I mean, obviously, sometimes people are both cheating on one another, but probably would you would you say uh, in heterosexual relationships that it's more common for men to cheat on their wives than wives to cheat on their women 
no. to, to, for, for wives to for wives to cheat on their husbands it's always the women who are getting cheated on though <laughs> whether whether it's wives or husbands no i i wouldn't actually i i see a pretty i hear anecdotally from colleagues who are also uh couples therapists, family therapists, yeah. that it is more evenly spread. But my personal experience in my room is that it's been more likely a guy who's cheating. Although it might not be the way you imagine. Like it, it's a little bit more like a tipped scale, like a like a 60-40. You mm. know, it's not like a it's not like like an 80-20 or something like that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 